All right, Bud Elliott, Ingram Smith here, back for another edition of the Knollcast. And uh, tonight, we will be previewing the game against the Virginia Cavaliers, who are 2-0 and and having a pretty nice year, against the Florida State Seminoles, who are 1-1, and barely, uh, and are not having quite as nice of a year uh, as the Cavs, nor as, as one as their fans expected. And to, uh, to help us preview this, we have Caroline Darney, league manager for SB Nation and also editor of Streaking the Lawn, the uh, UVA blog, which is really good on the SB Nation blog network, and you should definitely definitely check them out. Caroline, what's going on? Hey, guys, what's happening? I uh, I got to say, if I, you know, a couple years ago when this game was announced, if you had thought, told me that intro was going to be how things were laid out, I would have said you're a liar. So it's been a weird switch for Virginia fans to have this optimism. So it's weird. So going from a situation where Bronco Mendenhall publicly said, like, this roster doesn't have a whole lot of <laughs> ACC caliber players on it, to now, that, that has to be a, a pretty good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we've learned about Bronco, this is his fourth year, um, he doesn't mess around. Like, he's a he's a funny guy, but he's a very serious guy. He's, you know, and I love that part when it comes to football, when it's like, Virginia doesn't make a lot of dumb mistakes anymore. Under previous regimes, there's been some issues with, you know, too many men on the field that have cost Virginia games, you know, false starts, dumb things like that that drive fans nuts. Um, there's luckily less of that under Bronco and a lot of that discipline comes in, but he also will tell you the truth. And like when he doesn't think the players are performing. Um, but one of the things that he did when he got to Virginia, he inherited a bit of a mess um, in the sense that, you know, Mike London didn't really prepare a lot of the depth chart as well as um, I think fans would have liked to have seen. And so that's something that Broncos really, really emphasized. And I think that quote, <laughs> which <laughs> has taken a lot of flack, it maybe wasn't as extreme as he meant it initially. Um, but I think the, the, the fans are starting to see that the players are reaching much more towards the level that he's expecting. So w- what were your expectations going into this year? Like, were you thinking Virginia should be the coastal favorite? I know that the media voted them yeah. as the coastal favorite. A lot of FSU fans were like, oh, the schedule's so easy. I was like, they literally have to play the two coastal favorites in UVA and Miami as their cross-division draw. It's not as easy as y'all think. No, I actually would have thought that um, Miami would have been the favorite. Um, I, I probably would have had Virginia second. Um, but always, like, the coastal is such a mess. Like, say what you will about, you know, like Clemson has obviously been the standard that the ACC has been measured, and rightfully so, and understandably so, and all that stuff. Um the Coastal's like the crazy cousin that shows up and is like, you never know what's going to happen when they have a few drinks. And, you know, I think it's been six years now and there's been six different Coastal Division winners, um, which is nuts. Like there's just real no you know, show of who's going to win that year and or when there is an expected winner, that never really happens how it's supposed to. So a lot of people were pretty high on Virginia Tech. A lot of people were pretty high on Miami. Um, and, but there were a lot of people, obviously, the media, like you said, the media voted Virginia first that saw Bronco Mendenhall returning a really strong defense that saw Bryce Perkins returning, that saw potential in some of the players that would replace guys like Alameda Zacchaeus or, you know, Jordan Ellis. So that was shown that that emphasis or, you know, that they thought Virginia could do something. And so far, I think Virginia's met the challenge and performed as you would expect a, a coastal favorite to play. No doubt. So let, let's get into this a little bit and uh, and talk a little UVA offense, which is, I guess, generally considered not as good as, as the UVA defense. Yeah. This really starts with, with Bryce Perkins, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it he's 
Last year, it was a three-headed monster. Last year, you had Bryce, you had, like I said, Alameda, and you had Jordan Ellis. Um, this year, I'm not saying that it's just Bryce Perkins, but him being the known quantity, that's where you have to start. And he's so dynamic, and I think he's a little nicked up right now. He's been wearing a knee brace. Um, so some fans have been a little concerned about, you know, can he cut as well? Is he as dynamic? Is this just something that is a right now thing or then he will get better over the course of the season or should we worry about that? His health is the first and like the thing that's on everybody's mind first and foremost. Um, he's a strong runner. He's smart with the ball most of the time up until he threw an interception against William and Mary. He had the longest streak in the country for most passes thrown without an interception. I think it got to 143, um, which I, I think people wouldn't have guessed Bryce Perkins as that guy. Um, so he can get it done with his feet. He's also, he's a, he's a good passer. I'd say he's not a great passer. Uh, there are still some questions potentially with accuracy on the, on the long ball, but um, you know, he's a guy that makes things happen. And, and so far he's been pretty solid. I was going to ask about that. It, 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 he's almost impossible to sack like, every <laughs> yeah. single year. Just it, like, there are so many clips. If you pull up Bryce Perkins highlights on YouTube, Sometimes highlights don't give you a good feel for what a guy does, but as far as like what he does well, yeah. those highlights really show it. He just there's dudes all around him, and he's not ending up on the ground. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he's scrambling out, and there's a guy wide open, and he's throwing it to him. He's a he's a pretty big, like imposing dude. He's not one of these little tiny little guys that scrambles around. Like he's he's pretty physical. Yeah, he's a, he's a big dude, and and like you said, like he's he's so talented and able to elude and escape and all those things. Um, I mean, you look at him, he's 6'3", 215. Like, he's a big guy. Like, he, you know, and he, he, he's nimble, he can move. I think uh, the offensive line tried to up his sack numbers against Pittsburgh a little bit, and they had some help last year where they, were trying, where they weren't so great and letting some people get to him. Um, I think he's done better this year already of showing, and later in the season last year, of trusting the pocket a little bit more. I think early in the season he gave up on the pocket a little bit too soon. Um, and would potentially, you know, like curl out and around, but when he's doing it, especially over the course of the end of last season and, and the first two games this year, he's doing, every, it's just smarter that all this, the choices he's making and when he's, you know, accepting a sack or throwing it out of bounds and he's careful with, you know, not getting a, you know, intentional grounding and all that stuff. So yeah, he's tough. He's tough to sack. Even if you get a hand on him, he he's strong and he can get away. Talking about a guy that's run for 1,100 yards, uh, 6.2 yards per carry. When you back out the sack uh, stats, it's a Florida State fans shouldn't be shouldn't be too shocked when uh, they're facing an incredibly talented kid who you're right doesn't have a, a necessarily a prototypical arm, but a a very above average arm and uh, has a pretty decent set of wide receivers to kind of yeah be able to rely on. Am I am I wrong in Looking at Joe Reed as his option number one, and if I am, who are some of the other pieces that uh, Florida State fans are probably going to get to see the the back of their jersey once or twice come uh, Saturday <laughs> night? Yeah, I think you're right. Joe Reed's the based on just numbers alone, he's the guy that's targeted the most. He's got seven receptions this year already. Um, right behind him is a guy that I also one his name is just super fun for me, but Hasis Dubois. Yeah, um, this is a fantastic class A name. Absolutely. Fantastic. And it's also great for someone to say in stadium. So it's like a great, like, you know, on the reception, Hussies Dubois. Like, Hussies it just Dubois. Really, really, oh, my yeah, God. That's great. It's so good. Like, that's it's so underrated in that aspect. You know, he's averaging almost 14 yards a reception, um, has one touchdown this year, and that's one that, like, 
he gave he'll he's a guy that will give everything every play like that was a play that he was reaching towards the end zone and play, basically placed the ball in the end zone um against Pitt um Joe Reed's a guy that is just so strong and multidimensional um I'd, I'd say yes I agree with you he's the number one target the third guy that I'm super excited about to keep an eye on is Terrell Chapman he's a he's only got four receptions on the season but he played let me go back in the you know way back machine so Bryce Perkins started at Arizona State um, before he got injured, when he literally broke his neck, which I think this Bryce Perkins story is one that I don't think is told enough, but that's fine. We don't have all day to talk about how he broke his neck and then went to junior college and came back. But he played and lived with Terrell Chapman as a freshman at Arizona State. So Terrell Chapman graduated from Arizona State and grad transferred to Virginia. And the two of them have one of those like connections. Like, are they roommates? Are we going to hear about it on the broadcast? I yeah. think they are. I think they are roommates again. So you will definitely hear the words "roommates" with Chapman and and Perkins. Like that's going to happen <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm not entirely sure if they're like living in the same house again this year, like in Charlottesville. But they definitely will talk about this. Um, but he's a he's a guy that again is a big physical receiver. Um, he can get up and get the ball. Um, you know, six three one ninety. All three. You know, Hasis Dubois six three two fifteen. These are big guys that can pull the ball down, and and those are the probably the three I'd say to watch out for on the speedy side that could potentially replace not replace because what Alameda did is really difficult to replace. But Tavares Kelly um, five eight one sixty and fast as all get out. Carol, I was going to ask you about that because if you look at if you watch UVA play. Like mm-hmm. they seem like they play with good aggressiveness. They 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 play not their tempo, but like during the play, they they don't waste a whole lot of time. It seems like they know what they're doing. It's almost like like frenetic, methodical, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But like last year and so far this year, they just they don't create explosive plays. And and you know if you watch highlights, like I mean we usually like to watch highlights to see what teams do well. Sure. What is it? Just Perkins' downfield accuracy? Is it? a lack of protection from the offensive line when they need to push the ball down the field. Like what, why does this team not create explosive plays? A lot. I would say, especially if you're looking at like a highlight package that includes a lot of stuff from last year, there was a lot of, they didn't have a lot of time. The O-line wasn't giving him a lot of time to like really sit back and, and accurately drop some of those like downfield bombs. Um, there was one this year against Pitt to Chapman that I thought was maybe potentially more lucky than good. Um, but he showed some strength on it. Um, it, It's just, and that's something that, you know, we've talked about Bill Connolly's SP plus now, no ampersand. Um, Well, one of the big knocks of Virginia that's been pretty consistent is not having those explosive plays. Like, and I don't want to say yet for this season that this just isn't a team that's going to have explosive plays. Um, But it's just something that hasn't been, necessarily in the repertoire even when Kurt Benkert was you know slinging it under Bronco Mendenhall the two years prior to Bryce Perkins getting here so I'm curious to see what they do with it because I think it's something that they need to have especially if the running game isn't going to be as strong this year as it was last year. Caroline great to have you with us here pardon while we uh thank our friends in New Iberia Louisiana Louisiana Hot Sauce is the title sponsor of the Nolcast and uh, people that we are ever so fortunate to be able to work with. Tip of the hat to him, tip of the hat to them. Uh, Thank you, as always, uh, for the support you've given them. And with that, we'll get back to this uh, Q&A. Offensive line doesn't have a ton of experience there, but uh, looks to have been potentially bolstered by some 
grad transfers. Uh, what is kind of your look at uh, how you think the line will perform or if that's uh, maybe one area where Florida State camp fans could have a, a modicum of optimism about? Yeah, I think that that's one where the line, the offensive line to me is the weakest position group for Virginia. Luckily, over the past like year or two years, the level of which when you say weakest has become less dramatic, I think, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, um, They're not horrible, but when you look at the other unit groups together, I think that this is still the one that needs the most work. And part of that's just because, like I, like, like I said, about being the cupboard being bare when Mendenhall got here. But they did some finagling, if you will, um, after the first half at Pittsburgh. So they actually trailed 14-13 at Pitt, despite, I think, outplaying them for the majority of that first half. Um, but came out in the second half and just took control of the game. And part of that was because the offensive line, they moved some guys from the right to the left and, and how they have it set up now. You know, you've got Swoboda, who's 6'10", 300 at the left tackle. Like he's really coming into his own um, on the line. Ryan Nelson is a guy that's been getting so much better year, like from he's a sophomore now. So improving so much dramatically from last season. Um, the center, I think, was one of the transfers. And then Chris Glazer and Dylan Rankinsmeyer holding on the right side have been super important. Um, so I think this is one that I want to see how this new offensive line setup works against a team that's not William & Mary. No offense to William & Mary, but um, Florida State has better athletes. Um, I think that that's going to be what I'm going to be looking at first and foremost when the game starts. So in, in looking at their percentile performances on, on offense, right, the last couple of years, under Perkins, it does Pitt just have his number kind of offensively? Because yeah. it, it looks like like the two worst games that the offense has turned in for the most part have basically been Pitt and Pitt. And then last yeah. year at Duke, they kind of <laughs> laid an egg a little bit for a little while I, at least. I don't know who the, your team of this equivalent would be, but Pitt is the team that no matter what happens, no matter who's good, who's bad, who's supposed to be good, all of that stuff, Games with Pitt, which is why I think that the season opener was such a big deal to a lot of Virginia fans, are just rock fights. Like, no matter what is expected to happen, just throw it out the window. The game's going to be hideous and ugly and terrible, and you're probably going to hate every second of watching it. Like, that's just how those <laughs> games have been. <laughs> like, it's awful. And, and I think that's what shows in those games. And a lot of it is, you know, Narduzzi's team plays a physical brand of football. Like, you're getting punched in the mouth. You're right out the gate. You have to be ready. Um, and one of the things that Bryce did struggle with, not as badly, the picking was a mess here last year, it poured like the whole game. So that was another factor, I think. And then one of the offensive linemen got injured in that game. Um, Chris Glazer, I think was the one that got hurt in that one. Um, oh, sorry. That's a lie. One of the defensive linemen, that's why they had Hill go off for like a million yards against Virginia. Um, but yeah, it's just like those games are always trash. So I almost want to say like throw the stats out against Pitt, <laughs> but those games are just always horrible. So <laughs> that's kind of NC State for Florida State, I would say. Um, yeah, see, everyone has one. Everyone has one of those teams. It's like not even a big rival. It's just always gross. For sure. Uh, we haven't talked running backs yet. Yeah. How do you feel about UVA's running backs this year? I actually really like. A few of them. I actually like I the ones that I've seen the most that I think have the most potential. Uh, Wayne Talapapa, um, who was a guy that you know committed, and then uh, he's of the LDS faith. 
went on his um, mission for two years. So he's now back um, in the second year and part of the, you know, back part of the team, five, nine, two, 10 strong as a ox. And just really, I think he had six yards per carry against Pitt. Um, some of that was garbage time, if you will, like he scored a touchdown with 30 seconds left. And really that was the thing that put the final nail in the coffin. But I like the way that he runs. He's really strong. His legs are strong. They're always moving. And that's something I think fans really liked about Jordan Ellis. Like he's the kind of guy that could get up the middle and like churn out yardage. Um, he was dressed, but not a hundred percent against William and Mary. So they did not use him against William and Mary. So he's only got one game of action under his belt. They did use Mike Hollins and PK Kyer a lot in that game. Um, Mike Hollins, a freshman, he might not be ready for a ton of carries, but I really, really liked what I saw. He was another guy that's, you know, 5'9", 200, strong, physical, um, and really turned out the yardage. They have not been using the running backs a ton, uh, which concerns me just a little bit um, because that was such a big part of their game last year. But I think those are the two guys that, and like I said, uh, PK Kyer got a bunch of carries, but um, Wayne Talapapa, I think, is who you're going to see the most of. Before we switch over to the defense, Caroline, uh, yeah. let me read you a quote real quickly. Uh, obviously, he's a pretty good runner, but I think we're going to have not going to have too much trouble with him. I think we've got a pretty good plan for controlling him. This is a although a very UVA sounding name. This is Florida State uh, linebacker Leonard Warner the uh, third commenting That's on Perkins. Do you think uh, do you think Perkins is just kind of scared or really really scared as to the <laughs> dynamic defense and the plan that they've cooked oh, up to contain him? Bless his heart. I read that today and was like, no, um, <laughs> not because like I think that I don't see Perkins as like the guy that's going to be like, all right, now I'm going to kick their asses. Like <laughs> he's got he's a competitive guy. He was going to come out and do stuff, but. Um, <laughs> It's just not, tough. maybe not the guy to be chatting up pregame. Yeah, it's just kind of it'll be yeah. interesting to see because like I, I've watched, you know, honestly, I will say I don't know if it's bad to say or not. I actually turned the channel on the Florida State Boise State game and did the whole wait, what move and changed it back at the end. Um, so I didn't actually see how Boise State came back and I saw the highlights and all that good stuff. But I did watch the full um Monroe game and I just don't know that necessarily a linebacker talking about controlling um a dynamic running quarterback is really the spot where I have the most confidence I guess in what he was saying um I'm trying to keep it not as mean because they're kids playing you know college football but um they haven't looked great on that on that front I guess as well say (laughs) well you haven't seen the plan Caroline (laughs) and neither is Bryce Perkins (laughs) That is true. Are we sure Leonard Warner has seen the plan? Because, like, the last couple of weeks, they've not looked like they've actually yeah, seen the, the plan. The, the, we have been holding on to the plan. A lot Maybe of plans in thing. Tallahassee. They now have a plan. <laughs> we have not yet disclosed the plan. But just wait. Just wait. I, I actually do have a bit of interest in this side of the ball here, um, other than the fact that Florida State's defense has been just, like, hot garbage the entire year. Um <laughs> Narduzzi, the head coach of Pitt, who basically runs their defense, was on the same staffs as Harlan Barnett at Michigan State, yeah. who is now Florida State's D.C. I'm not saying there was a call place this week because I don't know <laughs> that there was. I don't know if those guys are tight or not. They were on the same staff. If there wasn't a call place, I mean, I'd be surprised. But even if there there wasn't, like, 
Harlan's still going to understand exactly what what Pitt was running, right? Because they're still running a lot of that Michigan State type stuff at Pitt. Now, granted, Florida State has gone away from some of that this year, and I'm not entirely sure what you would describe uh, what they're doing. But I I do think that it is probably a bit of an advantage for Florida State to have seen what another team that runs a very similar system to what their base is uh, has done to Perkins in in that offense in back to back years. Now, granted, UVA won this year, and they you know, their score 30 points. Um, I don't know, maybe a little bit inflated by, by some turnovers and, and, and field position type stuff. They're, yeah. It wasn't like they went on crazy long touchdown drives in that game, if no. I recall, right? No, you know? and it wasn't. Yeah, and and that's something that is an interesting dynamic this year between the offense and the defense for Virginia is this team is solid. They're in again, this is all so weird for me to say because it sounds way too confident. They're good. Like this team is good watching them play. They're, they they know they're competent, they understand their schemes, they run them well, they adjust all of these good compliments. They also don't beat themselves, which I think is going to be potentially one of the main storylines for this game. So if you make a mistake and the defense can capitalize and give the team good field position, the offense will take advantage of that. Like they don't, they haven't been wasting opportunities. And whether that was, you know, against Pitt, they blocked a punt and got good field position. They had two interceptions against Pitt that set up solid field position. That really changed the way that game went. So they're taking advantage. Oh, and we have a kicker that can make kicks over 35 yards now, which, I mean, he's the same guy as last year, but it's consistent. And that's something that Virginia hasn't had (laughs) where like when you get to that range, you're no longer having to settle to go for it on fourth and six because you don't trust your kicker to make a 32 yarder. So there's a lot of things that are a little bit different, but this team is one that like, if you make a mistake, they're going to likely make you pay for it, whether that's through directly scoring points or just ball hog chewing more time off the clock, which if they're winning is a good thing for Virginia. All right, we got to ask, what is your main worry about UVA's offense against Florida State's defense? I'll say the offensive line. You got to give time to Perkins to get stuff done. He's extremely talented. You just have to make sure that he has time and that he's not taking a beating because, again, if he gets hurt, then this thing's this thing changes drastically. Um, so protecting Perkins is basically my main goal for the entire season. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and, and that'll go hand in hand as well with helping establish a running game that will, you know, keep them honest. Um, so if the offensive line can create some holes and get a running game working, then they're going to have to respect that. And that'll give um, Perkins a little bit more leeway. I think that's fair. Uh, Ingram goal for this week for yards per play. I think uh, a reasonable goal, given what this defense has shown so far, like a goal that could maybe keep Florida state in, a, in contention to win the game would be holding UVA uh, to like under five and a half yards to play at home. Yeah, that's about where I was. Yeah, I think that's a good number. Good I mean, number. If, if they're up in the six or sevens, like, like I'm not going to set a goal where Florida State has to hold UVA to seven yards of play. Like, that's just, I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, we're getting five and a half yards of play. I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, this this defense gave up like five points something to, to ULM. So, uh, and that was in Doak. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's a there's so many wonderful ways to be able to enjoy Madison Social Township, Centrale, and Bud and I were fortunate enough to be able to have the the pregame experience there for the Boise State game. Uh, again, every aspect of Madso is fantastic, but the away game, uh, Madso Township, those will be two fantastic places if you're a, a Tallahassee resident or student to uh, 
keep in the back of your mind for tonight or any other away game. Fantastic atmosphere. Uh, great, unique opportunity to be able to go to a place like that, have as much of a uh, surrounding and uh, just enjoy all that Madison Social offers 24-7, but uh, would have it in the back of your mind as far as a, a game day away atmosphere. And then uh, I'm also going to set, um, set a goal of uh, 50% of the drives allowed are under sixth place. Ooh. Basically getting the ball back for the offense, not allowing UVA mm-hmm. to hold it you know, forever yeah. in terms first, of play. First two sets of downs, yeah. Yeah, that's a good goal. Reasonable. I think that's like I'm not saying like the, the, if they hit these goals they'll win. I'm just saying if they hit these goals like they'll have a chance to win the game. It's competitive, yeah. Yeah, I think those um, are both. Now on to the other side of the ball, we Ooh. have the Florida State offense against UVA's defense. This is basically strength on strength, right? We had kind of I'm gonna call UVA's offense a weakness, but like you know lesser against lesser, and now this is greater against greater. Yeah. Uh, so Caroline three four defense Bronco Mendenhall staple. He's a defensive guy. I mean, Florida State's actually faced this defense before, back when they went to BYU in 2010, fresh off a uh, devastating loss to Oklahoma, uh, where they got rocked out out in Norman, and they they pulled a really shocking upset out there at BYU um, and and ran all over Broncos defense. I was, I was very surprised at that, and Greg Reed got away with an interesting um, <laughs> PI call uh, that was not called. <laughs> I, I, I probably should have been P.I. in my opinion. I think Ingram agrees there. Um, but uh, what do we need to know about this Bronco defense? Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I, each week I'm just falling more and more in love with this defense. Maybe it's like a weird like basketball carryover thing, but I've just become so much more obsessed with defenses since Tony Bennett got to Charlottesville. So I absolutely – first of all, I think the, the defensive line – has to be in the running for most improved because they had some injury and depth issues last year that they were one of the weaker. And again, weaker is tough because like I said, those issues that were out of their control. Um, But this is a, this is a unit this year. You know, there's a first year starting Juwan Briggs. We joke around. He's got biceps already, just the biggest arms. He's a big body, six, one, two ninety five. throws that weight around. And he's just like a good dude. Like he's good at everything. He, you know, can play instruments and speak several languages. And it's just like a really fascinating, interesting person. Um, but he's starting at nose tackle. And then you've got Bernie or Famui. Aaron Famui is like one of the guys that like, just, he seems to be everywhere. Like you hear, he's a name that you're going to hear a lot. Um, as well as on the other side, they have in the depth chart, you know, ors listed instead of, you know, actual depth chart when it comes to the the ends on the line because you got Richard Burney, Aaron Famui, Eli Hamback, and Mandy Alonzo that are all capable starters. And so when you have a two deep that that is that strong um, in a position again where, you know, they really struggled last year keeping warm bodies on the line. I think they had four people available last year. So now that you have four people available just for those two positions that are all starter quality, it's exciting to see. Um, and they're going to hopefully, I mean, if you're a Virginia fan, make life for Blackman miserable on Saturday night, but you slide over to the linebackers and it's just like all of the hard eye emojis for me. <laughs> like I could, like the, Charles Snowden is going to be, I think one of the favorites for like a defensive player of the year type thing next year. Um, six, seven, two thirty-five linebacker that just is 
everywhere. Again, another one of those guys. They seem to have a lot of the guys that are just, you hear their names called frequently. Um, and you wonder how they can be everywhere on the field at all times. He's one of your best pass rushers off, off the edge. It, it seems like UVA, they they don't really two-gap that much, right? Like, they're they're really kind of up the field at, at all their spots. It, it's it's a 3-4, but it's not like a not like a traditional two-gap 3-4 where, you know, they, they I mean, they do some two-gap, it looks like, just from watching yeah. them. But uh, it's it's a really, like, aggressive defense. They blitz from everywhere. Yes, and, and that's what I like. Again, when we talked about, like, the offensive adjustments at halftime, the defense is the same way. And the thing that the defense can do is, you know, and I don't think, I think the Florida state wide receivers are definitely more talented than the, the pit wide receivers. So this might not be a possibility in this specific instance. Like, so they used a lot of um, blitzes involving Bryce Hall because Bryce Hall wasn't getting thrown to, or, you know, anywhere near Kenny Pickett just wasn't going to take the chance. So they're willing to adapt and change the scheme and see what the offense is giving them and really find new and creative ways to get to the quarterback or create problems or create pressure. As far as the secondary, I mean, Hall is, is, is the obvious stud. Um, and they're, they're pretty loaded at line. I know they lost some at linebacker, but they're still pretty loaded from what they have last year. Loaded. It, it, yeah. Is the secondary, the spot where they're, I don't want to say still searching for answers, but like, do they trust all these guys already, or is, is this more a position of of uncertainty than the other two spots, or, or are they just, they love them and they're ready to go? I think it's somewhere in between the two. So that Darius Bratton, they lost right before the season started, so like in fall ball um, to an injury, so he's out for the season. I think it was a knee injury, um, and he was going to be the guy that was opposite the field from Bryce Hall. Um, now that's Nick Grant, who's a six one, two hundred pound junior. He's he had a pick six against William and Mary. Um, he's a guy that I can see like potentially Florida state trying to pick on a little bit, maybe. Um, but he's, I think been very solid in the first couple games. I was a little concerned at some points, um, not necessarily blown coverage, but some issues against like Kenny Pickett's receivers did not do pit any favors in the first game. Like there were a couple just big drops that, you know, how does that change the game? We won't know. Cause it's third down, you know, throws it to the guy's hands and they drop it. Like, you don't know what that's going to happen or whatever. But I think overall, when you've got, you know, Bryce Hall, Joey Blunt, Joey Blunt is another one of the guys that's like kind of under the radar, but has been extraordinarily solid as a lockdown guy. Um, and I like Brenton Nelson. So there's still a few more questions there, especially losing Darius Bratton. But I think overall, so far, they've shown that they're successful. This will by far be the biggest test because the wide, like I said, the wide receivers um, for Florida state are just the most talented that they've seen so far this season. But the question I guess then will be, will Blackman have enough time for any of those big plays, you know, explosive type plays where he's going to find a guy for, you know, 60, 70 yards on the field type thing. I don't know. Hopefully not. Hopefully the, you know, defensive lines taking advantage of Florida state's offensive line, but um and one guy I do have to mention that I forgot when it comes to linebackers, Jordan Mack is unbelievable. So just got to shout out Jordan Mack. <laughs> Seems to make all, all the tackles in yeah. the run game. Um, yeah. When UVA gets beat defensively, is there a pattern to it? Is there something like, oh, that again, that again? Is it is it random? Is it is there are there certain things that you notice like, oh, they killed us with the screen game, or it's the deep ball, or, or are there like kind of common refrains and, and, and limitations from UVA fans of like, gosh, why can't the defense stop this? 
That's a really good question. Um, I, I wouldn't put the deep ball in there. I don't think that that's been, obviously every team, I think at some point gives up a deep ball here or there. Like that happens. It sucks. Most of the time. So you're like, oh, great. There we go. One play. And that's a huge impact. But um, there's been a few situations where like, I've worried at times about shutting down where they've gotten to the quarterback, but they're able to elude like Kenny Pickett picked up way too many yards for my taste. <laughs> like, I don't think it'll show in the actual stats because of the fact that Virginia got to him a lot as well. Um, but there were some times where like he'd run up the middle after maybe an over pursuit in the backfield. Um, those kill me every time when like a linebacker gets a hand on a quarterback and then they're gone. Um, which I know it doesn't seem fair because Bryce Perkins does it to a lot of people, (laughs) but uh, I hate it when it happens to Virginia. Um, and sometimes those, those short slant type plays, um, have been some problems, but I don't think that there's, especially when I think about that, I don't think there's been anything like unbelievably glaring that I've yelled at my TV about that is one recurring problem. Man, it must be nice. Uh, <laughs> watching UVA, their their blitz packages are are really impressive. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how in the hell they rep all these in practice. It, it's it's extremely nice what they do. It, it, they they seem to come from anywhere. They really do a good job of, of kind of blitzing as a team, where the dudes yeah. who are supposed to get to the quarterback know that and then the guys who are supposed to occupy blockers to allow the guys to you know have, have free runs yeah. through um they like they have a good team blitz concept and and they i mean they clearly like to blitz a lot now maybe there'd be some games where they don't need to blitz because they can get to the passer with with just four and that's that's certainly possible um that we'll see that but my guess is that after watching what boise did in the second half they'll probably try to blitz uh blitz an awful lot and i'm interested to see how Florida State counters that if they can i mean yeah, with their offensive line, their left tackle might be out. Jawan Williams, who was in a boot for a uh, for an ankle injury, he, he's not like he's not any good anyway. But like, <laughs> if, if you're starting, you're better than the guy behind you typically. So yeah, uh, from from bad to worse, literally, uh, that that's going to be an interesting thing. What uh what? I mean, I asked you the question about the offense. What scares you about this defense, if if anything? Yeah, I think. Um... I still can like kind of, there was one play in the pick game. And again, like, like it's hard to make a huge deal. This is for me at this point, it's nitpicking the defense. Cause I think I said, like, as I've said, this defense has been really impressive so far um, is a couple of those instances against Pitt where guys got open behind the defense. So like, you know, all the way down the field and, you know, Bryce Hall only broke it up because he's an all American. Um against Florida state, that could be a playing with fire type thing. Um, that'll probably be the biggest thing that I'm watching for on the defensive side of things, like making sure you don't want, I mean, making sure I can't do anything about it from the stands, but you know, like, you know, watching that and seeing how they keep up speed wise, but I think conditionally like actual with conditioning, this team has been, and even last year, I think it's one of the things that Bronco Mendenhall has done a really good job with is, making sure that, that his teams are ready to play in all facets. So, you know, they seem to be in better shape at the end of the season and able to withstand things and coming into the season better prepared. Um, and your stuff about the blitzing is really interesting and fascinating, I think, because of the fact that for the first two seasons in Charlottesville, he tried to bring those things in and, you know, with the 3-4 defense and teach them the schemes. And it was too much at once for a team that wasn't ready to do it, which is why there were a lot of struggles early in the you know his tenure now 
with his guys in there, having learned from him now three years in the fourth year, guys like Charles Snowden and Jordan Mack are flourishing um, because of, you know, and same like Juan Thornhill now in the NFL. Like these guys are successful, Micah Kaiser, um, Chris Peace, because of the fact that they were able to learn step by step and now they're implementing it and just they're more successful because of it. They're able to start getting more complicated. It strikes me, and, and Ingram, I, I think you'd agree that like, some of these programs that have new coaches are like that they're willing to put up with growing pains allows them to, to kind of reap the benefits later on. But the initial yeah. expectations of a new staff relative to the program, and I mean, obviously the expectations are set by fans and boosters and program history sure. and precedent. Um, it can make it tough to have growing pains, right? Like you all, at certain programs, you almost need to hit the ground running or they're yeah. just going to replace you pretty soon. Um, like with Bronco, like that works if you're at a UVA and you're in year four yep. and like, yeah, they weren't very good the first two years, you know, great yep. UVA doesn't have the same talent as some of these other programs do. Not that I'm talking about anyone in particular, of course, but, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I did, I did want to ask you that Caroline, the yeah. whole, the whole kind of college football world, uh, seemed to think that. Justin Fuente was going to go into Virginia Tech and fit hand in glove and was going to build a, you know, build a real power in the coastal there. And uh, it's not like people snickered at the Mendenhall hire, but certainly had a, a lot yeah, of skepticism about it and sure. thought he might be more of a more of kind of a, a placeholder or somebody to come in and kind of build a foundation when London left to yeah. uh, move on from there. It just obviously you're viewing this from uh from a Charlottesville perspective, but what has it been like to watch those two things kind of play out over the course and, and uh, how's the Commonwealth up there responded to, uh, to seeing the two fates not, not play out at all as though the kind of conventional wisdom would have thought they would have. Yeah. I guess I do have to wait for any sort of judgment for Virginia to actually beat Virginia tech, which has not happened since I was a first year at school and Heath Miller was our tight end and Matt Schaub was our quarterback. To put that in perspective for how long it's been. Um, I think yeah. we're all the same age. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it has been forever. Um, but it's something that you make a really great point. And it's been really interesting to watch from a, you know the fan perspective when it comes from, because Bud, you're right. You're both right. Bud, you're right when it comes to coaches have to, you can't just turn over coaches every four years. Like you just can't, you're never going to grow. You're never going to get better because you don't get any consistency. You don't, it's brutal. And and it was real tough to come out. Everyone was really excited for this new era and Virginia loses their first game to Richmond. Like it was brutal. It was, and part of it was the team needed to learn how to win. And I think that's something that's really, really difficult to, to, and, you know, like Mac Brown talked about it with Carolina, taking over at Carolina, like finishing those fourth quarters and actually finding a way to win. Because when Virginia messed up in that Richmond game, the, the body language, the conversation was all, even in the stadium, was, oh, here we go again. It's the same old crap. So allowing the patience and seeing the pro- like progress it's undeniable with Bronco Mendenhall because you see the two and 10 to the five and, you know, five and seven to the, um, what was that? I guess next six and seven. Um, and then now, you know, you have a a winning season, you beat an sec team in a bowl game. Like the momentum from that is huge. Um, and you have the players buying in, you have, they're willing to do everything that you're asking. They're willing to play the system you want to play. They're seeing, that hard work get rewarded with wins and 
I mean, just getting the more playing time by being in a bowl game was a big deal. So, I mean, that's how far down we were as a program, like in watching that stuff. And now you look kind of at, you know, I see some of the Virginia tech fans and I understand the frustration that they're going through. Cause like, like you said, you know, Fuente's the guy, he's the guy. Um, I don't know. And again, I'm not part of that program. I don't know if it's, they didn't get the same buy-in or they're just the players didn't fit or Koji staff, whatever it is. Um, you do see a little bit of a, a vert, like divergence in the woods where the two teams seem to be going different directions. And um, it is kind of funny to me that like after, like a couple tough games, like tech fans are like, that's it. Cancel the program. <laughs> I'm like, guys, we have been mediocre for a decade and we still have some fans in the stands. <laughs> like y'all can make it through a season. <laughs> like you'll be okay. Um, you know, they, I don't think they still haven't had a season where they didn't make a bowl game. So I have a hard time taking them seriously when they're like, this is it. It's ruined. It's terrible. <laughs> like, I was like, guys, we won two games like two years ago. So it, it is, it's something that's, I think we're all very hesitant, but excited. So we're not quite fully trusting yet that Virginia is a good football team, but we're like daring to hope, <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. Nolcast comes to you live from the Resolution Home Loan Studios. Why is it Resolution Home Loan Studios? Because I got my loan through Resolution Home Loans. Give Shannon a call or visit the website 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. Tomorrow's my day off, and I'm actually really happy to be shipping off two new sets of T-shirts to the newest homeowners that use Resolution Home Loans. And uh, really excited to do that. So Resolution Home Loans, get your loan through them. Excellent customer service and great rates. We need to do offensive goals, I realized. Uh, UVA at home last year, uh, they did not allow very many yards um, to anybody, at least not yards per play. Pulling us up here, I just hit the X on it. You ever do that? You ever just accidentally X out of a window? <laughs> yes, it's the worst. I always have like a million tabs open, so this is Same. problematic here. At the end of the day, though, I do I do close them all out and then make notes to myself if any tabs I still had open that I need to like address the next day. And <laughs> that's so what I should do. I just a, it's a compromise. I just do it until my computer's like, listen, Chrome's just not working anymore. You have to restart it. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah. so last year, UNC and Pitt uh, and Miami uh, and Ohio, well, I guess Ohio's an option team, all all uh, went into Charlottesville and had at least five and a half. Um, you think five and a half is a good number? I think this UVA defense is better than it was last year. If they go five and a half and they allow whatever we, we said that they should allow, five and a half, I mean, that's basically dead even. Let's let's just say that. Yeah, five and a half for the offense, five and a half for the defense because you're facing UVA's strength here. Unless you think it should be higher. I don't Maybe. know. Like, you, yeah. I'll, uh, uh, five on? and a half is probably a little rich for <laughs> for my blood, to be honest with you. All right, you want to just go five? I, I, think, I mean, uh, I have serious yeah. concerns about the offensive line here, right? Yeah. Like, oh. Well, also, not, not just the offensive line. Florida State's offense has uh, has been very hot when it's hot, it's real hot, but it, it certainly has stalled out at times. But it's it's been so frustrating for the fans because she's gone up twenty one to three and then stumbled. How's this offense perform if Virginia chooses to take the ball, go down, score, hold Florida State and score? What's what's a fourteen nothing in the deficit Florida State offense look like? I I, I have some concerns uh, about this game in, in case anybody was was uh, wondering. And uh, <laughs> we I do were think both that, picking uh, UVA in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, we were picking UVA before we had any ideas to the the uh, the fun things that were to come in week one and two. Um, yeah, anything over five would be a, a, a big success in my book. All right, well, we'll go with five then. I, I, I think that's 
that's a fair number. Um, yeah, I just seeing how they handled blitz blitz so far has been rather poor. I think Florida State's protection schemes are real simplified. I think that's the right move to have them simplified, as we've said on the show a number of times, because I think the talent on the offensive line is really poor. I think basically zero, maybe one of those guys are going to go pro uh, at any point in their careers. Um, so, and that would be Dante Lucas. The rest of them, I, I don't think, are, are future pros. Maybe I'll be wrong. Um, but the downside to being so simple up front, and I think they do have to do that again, because I don't think they have the ability to, to execute a lot more than that, is that teams that run pretty complex defenses can can mess with you. And I'm, I'm interested to see what UVA does. I expect UVA to get a lot of pressure on Blackman in this game. Probably a lot of free runners as they confuse Florida State up front, um, as well as I think some guys will just get physically whipped up front, to be honest. I think UVA's got better personnel along their defensive front than Florida State has along its offensive front. But one thing I, I do think is, is going to be interesting is the tempo. I think FSU really needs to push tempo yeah. here. Looking through UVA's schedule last year and so far this year, did any team that they played really push tempo that much? Because I'm looking here, I don't see – like uh, Liberty was not a crazy tempo team. VTech, Georgia Tech, no, no. Carolina, no. no. Pitt, no. <laughs> no. UNC like, at that point last year basically quit. Yeah. I don't think that there was much of a tempo. And that's – I'm very curious. My biggest concerns really in that – like in the overall gameplay are going to be, you know, who – or how are we doing tempo wise? Like, is that fast tempo for Florida state going to cause a problem for the defense with, you know, making any sort of substitutions on that line? As I said, they have guys that can fill in, but also like, what is, Cam, like how many yards do you think is a, does cam acres need to get for this to be a competitive game for Florida state? Like what is, what it like, let's all throw out a goal, I guess, if I'm allowed to do that as a guest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like, what do you think is a – my biggest concern is, is Cam Akers because I just – that guy is otherworldly. I think he's the second best running back in the ACC. Um, and if it weren't for a guy that could be pro already, he'd be the top guy. So I, I just think he's going to be a huge deciding factor because I don't think the the secondary will give up enough. Um, but, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But what do you think he has to do? I, I think if Cam gets 100 – on the ground, you know, and, and like Willie Tagger said, he wants to see him get 25 carries a game. I don't know how, how wild the offensive coordinator is about the head coach stating goals for carries for certain players. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's his it. offense, probably not loving that. But uh, um, if he gets 100, I feel like Florida State will have a chance to win the game because that probably means that they are uh, later in the game able to throw off play action some. The RPO yeah. game is probably going to be a little more effective uh, and, and it gives gives UVA something to think about, right? If you get totally one-dimensional against this UVA team, I, I think you're toast, and I think UVA will blow them out. So, um, yeah, I, I, if, if, you, if Cam gets to 100 or, like, you know, over 20 carries, right, which just means they're staying yeah. committed to the run game and that they're, it's actually being somewhat effective, I, I think that's, that's a pretty good goal. I'd, I'd have that a little higher, to be honest with you. Uh, I would say Cam and LeBourne probably need to run for 140, 150 yards for Florida State to have a real chance in this one. Oh, yeah, so. Caroline. Uh, the number two back for Florida State, uh, Kalen LeBourne, is uh, really talented, like pretty explosive, can yeah. do some things out of the backfield, and he's actually from Virginia. So oh, man. Uh, it's kind of a homecoming game for him. Well, I guess yeah. it's rarely a situation in which there ends up being like Virginia has a bunch of floor, like, you know, guys from Florida, because who if you want to be good this day and age, you've got to get guys from Florida. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how it goes. There, I think there's rarely opportunities where like Florida State 
came in and was like the only option for a kid from Virginia because Virginia didn't offer him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas there might be a few guys um, who are the flip side, you know, like Miami or Florida state didn't offer them. And now they get to play the big boys from their home state um, at their new school. But yeah, that's, that's uh... do you guys have a depth chart anywhere? By the way, we were trying to look for that today. They did not release one yet. Um, they had a lot of guys give lack of effort last week on defense. And uh, we think there's going to be some changes on the defense side of the ball where some, some younger guys end up playing who like they keep running the same, older dudes out there and they keep making like ridiculous personal fouls like Dontavious Jackson yeah. grinding yeah. a dude's face like helmet into the turf way after the play is over in full view of the cameras and the refs. Um, yeah. You know, so it's we, a good we, look. It's I don't think look. the offensive it's depth chart is going to change. Yeah. Or, just a little bit on the defensive side. Yeah. I That's think, fair. I think you may see some changes at linebacker, maybe a little bit of DB. Um, all right. Well, how, damn, we're, Shoot, we're, we're almost fifty minutes in. This has been a been a really good combo. We appreciate you hanging on here the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's I enjoy it and ramble a little bit. Sorry, I get excited. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, it's going to be hopefully, and we'll see what the atmosphere is like. But it, it should be potentially the largest crowd in Charlottesville for maybe the last I don't know seven, eight, ten years, perhaps. So should there be a fun go. night. Night crowd. They're recognizing the basketball team at some point during the game. Um, so it should be a great atmosphere for a, a big game. I want to thank Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. Travis is a board-certified family law attorney, only about 280 of those in the state out of more than 10,000 licensed attorneys in the state of Florida. He has over a decade of experience in divorce, custody, guardianship, and a variety of other family law matters. If you need a good family attorney, 850-435-9919. That's 850-435-9919. 99.19 for Travis Johnson, proud sponsor of the Nolcast. All right, uh, prediction time, I think, Ingram, or, or we got anything else? I don't have anything else. No, I mean, uh, I, I think we can slide on over to predictions here. All right, prediction time. Is it, is this, it almost feels like this is too too easy of a pick to me. I mean, uh, I'm still going to pick UVA 35-21, but uh, this this almost feels bizarre as to how obvious and clear of a pick that I, I think you may see a Florida state team come out and play, uh, play aggressive, but, uh, you know, and play like a team that's uh, many don't think have a chance, but that doesn't necessarily defensively help you sp- yeah. fill, spill, run the alley, any things that this defense has proven to just have not a whole lot of interest in doing. I think you may see a real strong first quarter, maybe first half out of you at a Florida state, but, Ultimately, I think uh, I think UVA pulls away and probably wins by 14 or so. Oof, God, this is also stressful to hear still. I think I did 35-24, uh-huh. I think is what I said on, on Caroline's podcast. So I'll, I'll, think okay. I'll right. stick with that. Um, yeah, and I'm going to stick with my 31-21 Virginia. This is all – see, I almost like out of like fear want to just like pick Florida State just to <laughs> – just to like hearing people pick Virginia and, and, and they've earned it. That's the thing. Virginia's earned it to this point. Um, I think that it, I agree. I agree with you, Ingram, where it's going to be like, they come out, it's going to be competitive for the first, you know, quarter, quarter and a half. But I think Virginia is going to take advantage of maybe some miscues or, or do something like that and, and give themselves a little bit of breathing room. And, um, well, and then the flip side of it is like, say Virginia falls behind by 10 going in the half, like, what's the mentality now like for both locker rooms? 
Um, well, Florida State's greatly concerned and yeah. uh, is like, well, this is, this, I told you guys, this is not where we want to be. Why? Yeah, like, why uh, did you score that extra touchdown? Right. Like, and then Virginia. Why are we confident guy. going into halftime? We know yeah. how this plays out. And, you know, they come out maybe with some more hesitancy or fear that it's going to happen again. Virginia would come out saying, like, we know we can, you know, we know they cough up leads in the second half. So there's so many things in my mind that I've played through. But I think this is, it feels a little bit like a, 10-point win for Virginia in my books. Yeah, I think UVA is so good at making opponents, like like allowing opponents to beat themselves. And, and Florida State yeah. right now, especially on the defensive side, is, is very good at that. So the last thing I want to end on is just because this is a Florida State show and we've all predicted Virginia by double digits here. <laughs> um, let's close our eyes. What, what does a Florida State win look like? Like like if, if you if you were had to write up kind of what the game looked like, if Florida State wins it, because I, I think I have an idea, right? It would be UVA struggles with FSU's tempo. I mean, you, FSU so far yeah. this year is third in the nation in adjusted tempo, right? Like they are like Wake yeah. Forest fast, basically. They hit some deep <laughs> balls. Like like Florida yep. State's winning on explosive plays that I don't have any confidence they're going to go on like long sustained drives. And then they really get probably pretty like hyper aggressive. They challenge UVA to hit balls down the field and – UVA has some success, but they're just not consistent on, on third down, and they end up having to punt, or Perkins is is wild on the deep throws and, and maybe throws a pick or two. Like I, I and, and it kind of takes yeah. the, it takes UVA out of the ability to use the run game as much because Florida State has a lead. Like is that yeah, in my mind, see, that's how it happens. I see a defensive touchdown for Florida State and probably like a pick six type thing. And uh, in brought to you eight. by Virginia's own Levanta Taylor. I'll go <laughs> ahead and go ahead and predict uh, that one. Redemption in a senior year. And I think it would also have to involve Acres going for like 200 yards. Like if Acres just goes off and then the defense comes up with a big play, that's how I see Florida State winning the game. That could be huge. That that, that really could. Yeah, they, they, they well, my mind, this is happening. <laughs> Congratulations, you've now talked me out of being confident and excited. No, I was kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I see. I think it's one of the, you know, talented players, multitude of talented players that are on that roster make big explosive plays. And there's a defensive miscue or offensive miscue when it comes to like a possession thing. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think UVA will play to stop those two things, right? Like I think I think they'll play yeah. to stop Akers and I think they'll play to deny the the deep shots, and that means the like the you know the, the intermediate throws should be open. But so far, James Blackman has struggled with those uh, for Florida yeah. State. So, like that's kind of what I would do if I was defending Florida State right now. Um, yeah. And then to get Florida State's defense, I would just do whatever the hell I wanted because everybody else has to this point. So it does say, according to Twitter, uh, FSU is hiring Jim Leavitt as an analyst to yeah. help Harlan Barnett. That's a that's a nice little addition. Won't have much uh, much to do with Saturday night, but there there you go, Florida State fans. That's a nice little nice little <laughs> bone to be thrown out, and uh, tip it. <laughs> it raises more questions as to why it was unable to be secured during the summer. But uh, uh, there you go. Got got your defensive analyst slash uh, three four guru, and perhaps the reason why the three four was put in in the first place. <laughs> and they were expecting him to come on anyway. Like. I have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. We we now have the coach to coach the scheme that we installed for the coach. So uh, one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Very oh, interesting. Guys. <laughs> All right. Well, we will. Uh, Carolina, very much appreciate it. 
and we'll Absolutely. talk to Thanks you uh, after the game. Sounds like a plan. Thanks so much.